and welcome to Sunny Side Up. My name is Mithul Shah, CEO of Demand Matrix. Sunny Side Up is 15 minutes of concentrated analysis and advice from startup founders, B2B marketers, sales and product leaders. Good afternoon and welcome to Sunny Side Up. I'm super excited today with our guest, Sara Belto, who is the Director of uh, Content Marketing at Swift Science. Sara, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, Sarah, do you want to tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what does Swift Science do, what your role is? Yeah, absolutely. So, Swift Science is a machine learning-based platform for fighting all different types of online fraud. That can be anything from payment fraud, for example, a fraudster taking some stolen credit card numbers and using it to buy all kinds of goods across the web, to account takeover, which is someone using your credentials from a site like even, let's say, you know, Facebook, Airbnb, any of that to log in and act like you and then basically commit some type of fraud to what we call content abuse, which is basically spam and scams. So you can think of maybe like a fake listing on Craigslist, selling something that doesn't actually exist to spammy or abusive content that you could see on any kind of social network or place that hosts user-generated content. So that's the science. And then at this company, I run the content marketing team. We are a team of three, and we produce all of the content for the website, for ebooks, podcasts, infographics, all of the traditional content marketing assets, um, as well as run our social media accounts. Okay, fantastic. So looking at your background, Sarah, you were at LinkedIn before. It was a different type of audience, predominantly, so maybe sales marketing you know, maybe professionals, a type of an audience, uh, compared to your current, uh, you know, company at Shift Science, where the audience is predominantly tech audience. How does content change or does it change for, you know, sales marketing type of audience, you know, versus technical audience? Yeah, good question. So I'd say that the audience that we are working with right now is very focused on numbers, very focused on efficiency. They really respond well to metrics and to insights that make their job easier and make it easier for them to communicate their value across the organization. So we always try to be as specific and useful as possible when we're creating content and to, like I said, numbers really work. They really like data. So that's different than a lot of the content that I worked with previously at LinkedIn. Also on this audience, we found that, for example, sharing content is not something that they do as much as some of the other audiences that I've written for in the past. Being fraud managers and people who are concerned with risk, they actually don't even love to use social media that much. (laughs) Like I was mentioned before about account takeover or content abuse, it's like if you work with that all day and that's what you're thinking about, you're maybe a little more hesitant to just go on Facebook and share a bunch of stuff and click on a bunch of stuff and engage. So we've had to look at other ways or other methods for people to share our content with each other. Interesting. So when you're having the conversation, you kind of mentioned that you guys have a pretty innovative approach, you know, as far as the type of content and what type of content to write, you know, and to kind of figure out, right, as to what content is working, what content potentially may not be working, I thought that was a pretty interesting insight, if you don't mind sharing with the audience. Oh, sure. I mean, when we're gauging content effectiveness, we really look at what content has either created a new deal or, like, created an MQL or an opportunity 
as well as how it has influenced the opportunity until it closes. So we don't just look at the first thing that they downloaded, but if a salesperson has, say, shared something like an ebook or a worksheet with someone at any stage in the sales process to help them get past one of the hurdles in the months that they're working together, um, then that's basically attributed to that specific piece of content in Marketo, and that shows up in Salesforce. So we can see with every deal what content has helped close that deal, and then we can tie that to the overall revenue that that deal has created for the company. That model has been very helpful for me as the leader of the content team to not just see what is successful and what isn't, but to show the value of my team. Very interesting. It's very similar to the MQLSQL type of an approach that you're measuring content at every stage and trying to figure out that, okay, what value these content, you know, is adding and closing the deal. Yeah, exactly. As I think I mentioned to you before, we also just ask sometimes, like, because that shows what is actually being shared. We don't always get the feedback on whether it's been helpful or not with that model. Um, In order to find out what content is resonating, we regularly make a point to ask the people who come to our customer advisory board, and we also have a regular meetup called the Fraud Fighters Forum that is exactly our target audience. So I always make a point to go there and ask people what they like, what they haven't liked, as well as, like, what type of content they want in the future, um, how they like to consume content. And honestly, it sounds very simple, but that has those responses have been so useful and have really informed our content strategy quite a bit. That's very interesting. So when it comes to creating content, you're creating different content for different stages and see how they're adding value. But how do you know as to what content to you and write, right? I mean, so that's the problem we grapple with many times. So like, okay, we are dealing with an area that's probably emerging. We don't know much about, many people may or may not know much about that. And how to figure out as to how to build the content, you know, that might resonate for the audience at different stages. Yeah, so we partner with sales and we keep a running list of some of the top questions that they get when they're on their sales calls. So that's been very helpful for especially mid-funnel and lower down the funnel content because often these questions are things like, you know, how in this specific way does your tool differ from your competitors or something? So it's a lot more product-specific content. But we also get a lot of more awareness stage questions from just asking the salespeople. For example, account takeover. There, It's a fairly new problem in the fraud space. I mean, it's been around a while, but there are some companies that are just now starting to experience this. So they have these questions like, how do I know if it's a problem? What is our other companies like mine experiencing this? What does their problem look like? Are there any other common tools to fight it? So like the more basic questions people are just asking sales has really shown us sort of where those green spaces are, like the places that we can help educate earlier on because it's something that's a bit more emerging. So when it comes to content gating, there's all kind of debates, right, that's going on as far as gating versus ungating content and so forth. What's the strategy and approach at uh, CephScience regarding gating of the content? So our approach has actually changed a bit in the three years that I've been here. And I think because we've kind of grown as a company, we started out trying some different things and seeing what worked. And now we've found something that at least works for us right now at this stage based on our company's needs. We started out having a lot of content ungated, and then we would retarget visitors to our website. 
with ads that would then try to get them to download like one key piece. But most of our content was ungated, so we try to lure them in with information and then follow up later. That just was not driving enough leads. I think our focus as a company has shifted to we want to increase the volume of leads. I mean, we want them to be high quality, but we also just need more volume. So we've taken a more, I'd say aggressive, but we are gating more pieces now than ever before. But I also, <laughs> it's also a mixed approach. Like we would never gate a blog post, we'd never gate a podcast, an infographic, and very engaging content. But basically anything that we think has enough value to the reader, we will put a form in front of it. And then after they download that piece, we will follow up usually with a sales call pretty quickly, just a very helpful one, not an overly salesy one, but like, are there any questions I can answer? And then if the person is not ready to talk at that stage, they go directly into an email nurture campaign, which has about, it has a good number of emails that will follow up, maybe one every week with a piece of content. Could be a webinar, could be a podcast, could be another ebook that we think would be useful and make sense for them in their particular industry and uh, with their particular persona. Do you guys you know, have optimized, you know, when it comes to landing pages, right? I mean, there's all kinds of theories as to how many fields and how many questions you should ask and so forth. Did you guys go through that exercise of optimizing, you know, your landing pages to get the maximum number of visitors and, you know, bounce rate and trying to reduce your bounce rate? Yeah, we definitely did. And we removed form fields and that was positive for us. What has actually helped a lot is just having a form that pops up, but you stay on the same page versus sending people to a completely separate landing page whenever possible. So all they have to do is fill it out, and then they will be redirected directly to the thank you page with the asset already available versus having to, say, go to their email and dig it out and have multiple, multiple different pages they need to click on. Like everybody, we're just trying to make it as easy as possible while getting the most information possible. So we kind of talked about this, we touched on it. I think you had a pretty insightful, or you had a, you know, an insight into this. If the advent of all these new tools and technologies coming in the market with, a, you know, the buzz or hype around AI, ML, and all these new jargons being thrown around in the marketing, I was just kind of curious to get, you know, get your take on as to when it comes to content marketing, how is it disrupting that field? Is it changing that field at all? Or you feel that the basics and they don't change and the technology is just an enabler on top of it? Well, one sense, I do think that the basics don't change because it is all about delivering value for your audience. So it's the same as always that you need to know what your audience cares about. You need to know the questions that you can uniquely answer for them. You need to differentiate your message from your competitors, deliver value that they can't deliver. So those are all classic challenges that I don't think change at all, depending on technology. But what technology is improving is our ability to personalize the entire user journey and personalize the content that we deliver. Uh, so we're not I would love to explore that more here at Sift Science. We, we're fairly personalized now, but as I understand it, there are even more advanced tools becoming available to really know who the visitors to your website are and be able to deliver the right content at the right time. I think that the future of content marketing is an even more personalized experience, and I think it is technology that will help us get there. We're not quite there yet, but I think that that's where most tools are headed. Fantastic. As a parting thought, last but not least, you know, any 
kind of advice, guidance to people who want to be a content writer or want to be a content manager? Are there any blogs, books, things that you recommend to our viewers? Oh, yeah. One of the great things about learning content marketing is there are a million different resources available out there for free because they are written by content marketers and content marketers love to write and they love to share and they love to make publications. I find it's one of those very easy areas to get a lot of really great information. When I was first starting out many years ago trying to learn about content marketing, Content Marketing Institute, for example, has you could go there and do an entire course for free any number of like lynda.org, which is now owned by LinkedIn, or any of those online courses. There's content marketing ones available that are taught by respected leaders in the field. So it's very easy to, to access as well and often free. I used to read Copy Blogger a lot. There is a company called Contently. We don't use their tools right now, but I really respect the content they put out. So I follow their blog, which is called The Content Strategist. So those are just a few of the many places that you can get information about content marketing online. And HubSpot as well is like a classic leader in content marketing. They have so much available now, I almost find it overwhelming. I've actually stopped subscribing to their newsletter because there's just too much. But I know that when I go into Google and I Google something and HubSpot's near the top, it's going to be a quality article. Fantastic. Thank you so much. You know, Thanks for all these insights you know, that you provided, I'm sure our listeners would definitely get a lot out of it. Thank you. No, that was fun. So thank you again for inviting me. No, no, absolutely. We look forward to it. So in case if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to reach out, you know, to you? If anybody has any questions or concerns or comments? Yeah, through the email that you've been using is fine. Because I'm leaving the country, I could give you my phone number, but I won't be available on it. So I think just using my work email address is good. I can give you my Twitter, S. Beldo. You know, this was very insightful. And uh, I might come back to you regarding some of these content strategies you've been talking about and a few of the things that you've been thinking about internally. Yeah, absolutely. I would be happy to have more conversations. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you.